Well, good morning, everybody. Um, you know what? In, in Africa, rain is always considered a great blessing from God. And so no one in Africa ever complains about the rain, especially when you think about the parts of Africa that are so much desert. So I woke up this morning and I thought, wow, let's just receive the blessings of God like the rain coming down from heaven, because that's rain is a blessing from God. I will, this morning, I want to make sure and say to those who are online that this is not an American message this morning. This is a Chinese message, a Russian message, a Taiwanese message, a Peruvian message, um, and also an American message. And any other cultures that are present that I can't see, is, this message is for all of us because we are all part of the global body of Jesus, right? We come from different cultures different countries, different backgrounds, but the word of God is for all believers in Jesus. And this message has been something that's been on my heart for several months. As we're dealing with COVID, as we're dealing with the upcoming elections in America, but not just America, uh, there are elections going on all over the world today in different nations. There is government problems and challenges in every nation of the world. So this is not just unique to the United States. So this morning, I want to speak about the big picture, God, government, and the, his people, okay? What do the scriptures have to teach us about God, his, his thoughts on government, and our responsibility as the people of God? And it's important to have a big picture because if we don't, we get too narrowed in on the problems and then we can get very discouraged. We can get very angry and frustrated. Uh, but when we look at the big picture of what God is doing in the world today, we can always find hope. So I wanna start with a short passage out of Psalm 2. This is a familiar passage. In Psalm 2, this is what it says. It says, why do the nations rage and why do the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let's burst their bonds apart and let's cast away their cords from us. Then it says in verse four, he who sits in the heavens laughs. Greg preached on this recently, I think. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. The Lord will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. The first thing we need to understand today is that God is king. He is the sovereign ruler of the whole universe, and he's not up there wringing his hands about our election, okay? He's not up there filled with anxiety about who's going to become the president of the United States. Um, he is not upset about the fact that President Xi has made himself the president for life. Um, he, is, uh, he is up there and he is over all the nations the Lord puts people in power and the Lord removes people from power. That's because he's the king of all the nations, okay? The second thing we have to realize is that our mission as God's people is all about another kingdom, okay? It is the kingdom of God. And God says that our job is to be salt and light in our society salt and light in our countries, in our neighborhood, at our job, in our families, including government. So our job is to keep bearing witness to who Jesus is. Our job is to speak up. Our job is to stay engaged in the civil government that we have. And we have to remember that um, we have to stay focused on the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is over every other kingdom. And so even though leaders come and leaders go, God doesn't change. 
and his kingdom doesn't change, and his kingdom will last forever, and his kingdom is coming here on earth as it is in heaven through us, his people, and of course, ultimately, through the person of Jesus Christ. You know, the, the most amazing thing is that, let's ask ourselves a question. Why do we have government? What is the purpose of government? You know, in the ancient biblical world, there was something called the suzerainty treaty, okay? And all the ancient peoples had, they were used to a certain government treaty. And this is the way it went, okay? Whoever the leader was, this is what they said. I'm the leader, I'm the sovereign, you are my slave. You must obey me. You must do what I tell you. If you do, I will bless you. And if you don't, I will kill you. <laughs> I will curse you. I will get rid of you. Okay? You have no voice. You have no free choice. You have no rights. This is the way it is. It seems to be, yeah. And it was. It was quite it was very it was very black and white. If you look at the Hittite uh, uh, sovereignty treaty, suzerainty treaty is exactly what it says. And the opposite, if we look at Genesis chapters 1 and 2, we see that God did an amazing thing. God, we have government because God is king. And because God creates order, and he has, and we are made in his image. In other words, being a people made in the image of God, we want order. We want structure. We want governance, okay? Unless you are an anarchist, all right? But being made in the image of God means that we want order because that's how God made things. And when he set up the system of government in the garden, this is amazing. He didn't do what these other peoples, what we see in the other parts of the Old Testament. God did this. God has all authority and all power, but God chooses to give some of it away. Listen, do you see the difference? In that suzerainty treaty, no power gets given away, but God chooses to give some of his power away. Who does he give it to? He gives it to individuals. When he created Adam and Eve, he created them in his image and he said, I don't want you to be a slave. You are a son. You are a daughter. You are a co-heir with me in the kingdom. There's a big difference between a slave and a son. Slaves have no rights. Slaves don't have a voice. Sons and daughters, they have a voice. They, have, they, they share the inheritance. So what God did was, God created self-government, okay? Real biblical government begins with God and self-government. In other words, we have the freedom to make choices. We have the freedom to make choices and we have to live with the consequences, all right? Now, this is radical. Because God is showing us a different way to govern. He says, I'm the king. I, I control everything. But I don't want you to be a robot. I don't want you to be a slave. I want you to be a co-heir with me. And I'm giving you the stewardship of this world. Think about that. God has given us the stewardship. Taking care. Multiply and fill the earth. That was our job. That's our job. So he, he actually, each one of us, if you think about it, is a sovereignty of one. Okay? Each one of us is a sovereignty of one. We have choices. And he will not take that authority away from us. Even to the point that if people choose to reject God, he will let them. Because that is their choice. He does not force us to follow him. He does not force us to love him because that wouldn't be love. Okay? Uh, love is a free choice. So, um, 
So the kingdom of God's government is set up differently. We have a sovereign God of the universe who has given part of his authority, not all of it, but part of it to each one of us and says, you make choices with how you live your life. You can obey me, you can disobey me, but what life will go better for you if you love me and obey me and are part of what I'm doing in the world. And so God's desire is to bless us to the degree that we allow him to. You know, if we don't, if we live our life outside of his, his law, we're not, we're not setting ourselves up to be blessed by the Lord. Um, so God values civil government that provides rights for people and limitations. God values civil government. The other thing is God gives authority to families. And he and so the family has certain authority. You have authority over your children. You have you the Lord is loaning your children to you for you to take care of them and raise them in a way that will follow Jesus when they get older. You don't own your children, but Lord, that they belong, they belong to the Lord. They, but you have been the you have been given the authority to raise them up to protect them. But they actually belong to the Lord. Here's the next point: the Lord has given authority to government systems. Okay, the Lord gives authority to government systems, civil governance. Now, I want you to look at Deuteronomy chapter 1, Deuteronomy 1, and we're going to look at the way that Moses set this up for the people of Israel. Deuteronomy 1, and this is kind of, Deuteronomy is like the retelling of, you know, what happened in Exodus. And in Deuteronomy chapter 1, starting in verse 9, this is what it says. Go at 9 to 18. And Moses, and this is, it says, at that time I said to you, and that, that's Moses speaking, at that time I said to you, I am not able to bear you by myself. The Lord your God has multiplied you, and behold, you are today as numerous as the stars of heaven. In other words, Moses is now dealing with a nation. He's not dealing with just an individual or a family. He's dealing with a nation. And he says, may the Lord, the God of your fathers, make you a thousand times as many as you are and bless you as he has promised you. How can I bear by myself the weight and burden of you and your strife? <laughs> oh, they had strife too. Um, he's, this is what he says to him. Listen very carefully. This is the formation of a civil government. He says, choose for your tribes wise, understanding, and experienced men and I will appoint them as your heads. Or you can, here we go. We're back again. Come back. As soon as you started with Deuteronomy 1 9, we lost you. Okay. okay. All right. So in Deuteronomy, Moses is telling the people look, choose wise people to be your leaders. Okay. Choose wise people from among yourselves to be your leaders. This is the beginning of a setup of government. And then this is what he says. He says, I took the heads of your tribes, wise and experienced men, I set them over you, commanders of thousands, commanders of hundreds, commanders of 50, commanders of 10, and officers throughout your tribes. And I charged your judges at that time, hear the cases between your brothers and judge righteously between a man and his brother or the alien, notice they had aliens as well, they had alien who is with you. You shall not be partial in judgment. You shall hear the small and the great alike. You shall not be intimidated by anyone, for the judgment is God's. And the case that is too hard for you, bring it to me, and I'll hear it. So Moses distributed the leadership. Now, what's interesting here is that this, in this system, this was like a tribal consensus system. Everyone had a voice, but they appointed leaders over them. Okay, This is an example of government. Um, so we see that um, God cares about government. He sets government, he set it up for the people of Israel. 
and there have been and there are many forms of government and um, there are democracy is actually a rather new system that's on the scene in the Old Testament it was mostly tribal consensus you had kings you have uh, dictators you have uh, you have you have um, you have monarchies, you have benevolent dictators, you have harsh dictators, you have all kinds of government systems okay, that, that are here on the planet. But God cares about government because he cares about people. And here's another principle. Bad government is better than no government. Bad government is better than no government. Why is that? No government is anarchy and anarchy is very destructive anarchy when it when you have anarchy people do whatever they want and it is always horrific I've seen anarchy with my own eyes I saw it in Albania I've seen it in Africa it is terrible we have to remember that government is from God even bad government God can use it God will use it God will use people that are in authority, even if they are not the best people, okay? When we look throughout the scriptures, we see lots of different kinds of leaders in the Bible. I've been recently read all about the story of David as being king, but the guy that was before him, Saul, you know, he was a disaster. Do you know what the only characteristic of Saul listed in the Bible is for his leadership? He was tall. That was it. He was tall, and, and, and God chose him because people would look up to Saul. Now, he was willing to work with Saul. He even told him, he said, look, if you will follow me and obey me, I will bless you. God was willing to work with Saul, even though he had some pretty bad qualities. But he blew it because he didn't obey the Lord. He didn't go that way, and he lost his authority. But that was his, that was his characteristic, okay? Samson, what was his major characteristic? He had amazing hair. <laughs> and it was the source of his strength. Now, Samson wasn't a particularly nice guy either. But I mean, honestly, folks, God will use anybody. Okay? Um, he's willing to work with anybody that gets put into leadership. And we have to admit that we don't always have the nicest people in leadership, right? But we have a voice, right? Now, here's the thing. Part of biblical governments is that we need to keep engaged. We need to stay engaged. If we disengage, we have lost our voice. And God says, no, I've given you a voice you need to stay engaged even if the person you voted for doesn't get elected. Don't disengage. Don't pull out. Use your voice. But just remember that whoever gets elected, God will work with them as much as he can. All right? So we have to remember God is for government. Government begins with self-government. That's how we live our lives. And so it's easy to point fingers at how other people live their lives. We need to keep put the finger back at ourselves and say, how am I living my life? How am I reflecting the kingdom? How am I leading my family? How am I leading in my community? How am I responding to what's going on in my culture and society? How am I doing? So God gives authority to individuals, families, governments, and he also gives authority to the church, okay? Four main areas where God gives authority. Interestingly, in government, he gives us the ability to choose governments. For the church, God calls people to authority and leadership in the church. Um, in the Old Testament, it was related, it was the priesthood. God called the Levites. They didn't have a choice in the matter. He called them, you are going to be the leaders of the church, they weren't allowed to have land that God provided for them. So there are four different categories of authority here. And we have to realize that if you start mixing things together, you can create a big mess. For example, if you mix 
uh, political governments and the church, it's bad news. Okay? It's always been bad news. If you mix the political government with the church, you get things like the Crusades, the Spanish Inquisition. You get things like um, the Taliban, uh, the, the, um, the, the rule in many Muslim nations where it's combined with Islam and the church. And it, and it eliminates rights for people. Um, like we saw under the Taliban and kids couldn't go to school and people couldn't go to the doctors and women couldn't work anymore. You know, if you start to combine religion and politics, it won't go well. They are separate categories of authority in the scripture. So we need to remember that there are limits to, there are limits to all of these authorities. And the limit of civil government is that government is supposed to serve the people. Governments are supposed to serve people. They're supposed to preserve rights, the right to an education, the right to food, the, the right to a voice, the right to civil liberties, right? So um, if leaders start to turn in on themselves and only look at themselves, they don't care about the people anymore, then that government is moving away from the ways of God. It's moving towards tyranny, okay? And we have a lot of tyrannical governments right now on the, on the earth. They're, but when they do that, they're outside of what God intends for civil governance. So here we have to ask, then, how do we evaluate governments? How do we evaluate them? Because there are certain values. Number one value do people have, what is the quality of life like for people? Do they have a voice? Are they protected? Are their civil rights protected? Or are they taken away? Um, so I want to just, let's, now we're going to just segue real quickly to the time of Jesus. Because we see these four categories of, government, of authority. What happened at the time of Jesus? Well, Jesus was born during the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was in charge. It was, it was the prevailing dominant empire in the Western world. China was still was there at that time, but China wasn't yet on the really on the world scene. But in the Roman times, they were the absolute authorities. They were the economic power, the political power, all roads led to Rome. They were all the education was influenced by Romans. Everything revolved around Rome for almost 500 years. And they were often very unkind to Christians. We have a lot of Christian martyrs that happened during that time. Um, and so what we noticed then, it was that when Jesus came on the scene, people, the Jews, were looking to get rid of Romans. They didn't like Romans. They didn't like their leadership. They didn't like the oppression. And for good reason. So many Jews wanted Jesus, who represented yeah, represented the church, right? Represented the kingdom of God. He is God. They wanted him to be a political messiah that overthrew the Roman government. That's what they wanted. And for understandably, they were suffering terribly. There was unjust taxation. People were, were being crucified. The Romans would just line up hundreds of people on the roads, all hanging on crosses to remind people don't ever disagree with Rome. They were suffering. But Jesus said... That's not my role. And what Jesus did was he showed who the Father was and he showed what the kingdom of God looks like. He said, pay ta give taxes, pay taxes. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Give to God what belongs to God. He, he healed people. He showed compassion. He showed what love looked like. But even after his whole ministry was over and he died and resurrected and was getting ready to go back into heaven, this is what the disciples asked him in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 to 8. This is what they asked him. After three years of walking with Jesus and seeing what he did, this is what they asked him. <laughs> they said, so they had come together and Jesus is just getting ready to go back to heaven. And they said to him, Lord... Is it now you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Are we going to get the political power now, Jesus? Is now the time? And Jesus is like, 
No. <laughs> As a matter of fact, Israel didn't become a nation state until 1948. Almost 2,000 years after the ascension of Jesus, that's a long time to wait to get statehood. But the, the timing of God is not our timing. The ways of God are not our ways. His concern is the kingdom, big picture kingdom. Nations come, nations go. Leaders come, leaders go. The kingdom remains stable, right? And we are part of the kingdom. We are kingdom people. All right. So, um, in Isaiah, in chapter 9 of Isaiah, it says that Jesus, that the government will be on his shoulders. That's where true governance belongs. The governance is on his shoulders. He is the wonderful Messiah, the counselor, and the government will be upon his shoulders. Okay? Regardless of who is elected, Regardless of who's in power at the time, the government is on the shoulders of Jesus. And as God's people, we remain faithful. We remain rooted in Jesus, hopeful. We remain his faithful followers to serve people, to help the voiceless, to stand up for those that are needy, to help the poor, to care for the immigrant, we are called to be those people, regardless of what's going on around us. This is hard because many of us, you know, in, in Russia, you know, the government is very oppressive. Um, in China, you have a, a, a president who's made himself president for life. Um, many times people don't even have a right to vote or the vote is rigged or the guy that opposed Putin got poisoned. I mean, this, these, are, these are things happening around the world. But, folks, God sees it all. One day he will make it all right. But bad government is better than no government. Regardless of the style of government, if it is moving towards God's ways, that's a positive direction. If it's moving away from God's ways, it's moving more towards tyranny. And we have to be open and honest with ourselves. How are we doing in our nations? Okay, are, are we moving more towards God's ways in government or away from God's ways in government? So what else does God have to say? Well, he tells us clearly in the scriptures, we are to pray for our leaders. We are to intercede for the nations, crying out to God for his mercy, asking for God's intervention. We are to live the kingdom values in our daily lives. That's what we're called to do. We are called to put our hope in God no matter what happens. And we are called to use our voice when we're able to. We are supposed to vote when we are allowed to vote because that is part of the consensus of being part of the nation that we're engaged in civil society. We're not pulling away. Does this make sense? So... I want to just, um, I, I want to read a, a quote, and then we're going to look at a scripture in, in Revelation. Um, this is a quote from a theologian that I really respect a lot, N.T. Wright. And this is what he says. He wrote this four years ago. He says, we place too much trust in our politicians because we place too little trust in God. We place too much trust in politicians because we place too little trust in God. And in the self-revelation of the living God in the child who was born to us. And when our politicians let us down, all we can think of is how to find another politician who will get it right this time. Isn't it true? And then he says another quote. This is, he's, he's writing about the 2008 election of Barack Obama. He says, the election of Barack Obama was hailed with wild delight around the world. Um, Desmond Tutu was, was crazy with joy talking about him on the radio. Oprah Winfrey said there had never been a night like this before on planet Earth. And this, the whole world was hungry for hope. And now he says, but Obama, the whole world is now on his shoulders. He says, poor man, 
No ordinary mortal can bear that burden, nor should we ask it of him. The irrational joy and hope at his election shows the extent to which our hopes have failed, making us snatch too eagerly for something else, another politician. Folks, think about it. When Barack Obama was elected, and then came the economic crisis, he wasn't prepared for that. Trump was elected, here comes COVID. He wasn't prepared for that. No leader is prepared for that. Nobody. Leaders around the world are struggling to, to deal with the COVID crisis. Nobody saw it coming. Nobody knows what to do with it. We're trying, right? So governments come, governments go. But let's not put too much trust in a politician and put too little trust in the God of the universe. I'd like to close with the scripture in Revelation. Revelation uh, chapter 21, <clears throat> Revelation 21, starting in verse 22. Folks, this is the kingdom of God when it's going to come, the new heaven and the new earth, right? When it's going to fully come and the new Jerusalem is going to come down out of heaven, down to earth, and we're going to be with the Lord forever. Listen to this. I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk. The nations will walk. And the kings of the earth will bring their glory in. Folks, God loves nations. He loves the nations. The kingdom is not only for individuals. It is for nations. And it says that the gates will never be shut by day and there will be no night there. And they will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. Okay? But nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Folks, I just want to encourage us this morning. Let's take some perspective, okay? And this is not just for America. This is China, Russia, Peru. This is for every nation. Taiwan, this is for every nation. If we believe in Jesus and we are followers of Jesus, we have our hope in him, regardless of political leader. Our hope has to be firmly in him, and we have to have eyes to see the bigger picture. God is on the move. He is on the move. What's happening with COVID? We don't totally know, but we know that God will use it to advance his kingdom. What is happening with the, um, the body of Christ around the world? Folks, for so many years, it's been, the focus has been on the Western church, but no more. It's India and China and Pakistan and Indonesia and Africa. They're populating the world now. You know, I listened to a speaker last night and she said, you know why the churches in Europe are dead? She said, because Europeans started believing the lie that you, there's not enough resources in the world to handle population. So their birth rate dropped below zero. Now they've got, they're not dominant anymore. They're not powerful, powerful anymore because they, they've stopped having babies. Right? They're not having very many babies. Now they've got, uh, you know, all these, these issues and they're not the economic powerhouse they used to be. Folks, things are shifting. Things are shifting. <laughs> By the way, every time you have a baby, you're putting your faith in God. That there's still hope in the world. There's still hope in the world. Every time you have a baby, you're putting hope in God. Have babies. <laughs> because you're putting your hope in God. All right? Listen. So things are shifting and changing, folks. Don't get upset. The Lord is in control. He is at work in the world, and we're part of what he's doing in the world today in world history. Amen? Amen? Go vote. Pray. Intercede. Trust God. He is on the throne.
Yeah, let's let's um, we're gonna enlist a short time of prayer for the our nation. Uh, along these lines of you know, what is the purpose of government? It's not to be God. Um, and I think we see a lot of people who want government to be God. They want to provide everything for every person, whatever that person happens to want. And I don't know that that's really the purpose of government. Uh, there, is, there is a certain freedom in realizing that we serve, we serve God and his kingdom. And God can use whatever person he chooses. Always ask God for people better than I deserve to, to, to be my leader. Because if you think about what we really deserve as a people, we're going to sing, um, We Are a Moment, You Are Forever. We're going to sing the first verse in the chorus, and then I'm going to just stop. And I'm going to ask you to come and pray for our nation right there. Did you do that? Yeah. Yeah. We actually go first, then. Thank you that you are God and we are not. That you have a plan. You've always had a plan. Your plan is perfect. Your ways are just. You are a righteous and an upright God. And it's in your righteousness that we want to stand. Not in our own righteousness, not in our own ways. And Lord, yet you've, you've offered us the opportunity to be part of that process, to have some of that authority that you have given. And so we want to be faithful, or we want to be faithful to do what it is that you have made a way for us to do. I believe the most important thing that we can do, Lord, is to cry out to you for your mercy, your way, and your will. Your mercy, Lord, your way, and your will, not just in our country, but Lord, in the countries around this world, you are faithful and, and we look to you, faithful God. Amen. Lord, I'm, I'm thankful that you 
you call us to be self-governing as an individuals. Well, that's a that's a really powerful idea that you have enabled us to have a will and to choose how we will live, to make decisions for for how our behavior is going to be conducted. Lord, what a gracious what a gracious, gracious thing for you to do. Not to create robots. Not to make us, Lord, unable to have a self-identity and, and an idea of how we should govern ourselves. How we should live. Lord, what a, what a marvelous gift that is. And yet, Lord, as marvelous a gift it is, it is such an awesome responsibility to live in a way for the glory of the kingdom of God. And not to diminish the kingdom of God, and not to build up ourselves, Lord, as little gods. Lord, what a risk you took, it seems. And yet, Lord, you've given us, you've equipped us with what we need to live self-governing ways, but that would honor and glorify you. Lord, we want to see that extended to our in ourselves and, and to our families and our church, Lord God, and all the churches of this of this world, Lord. But Lord, especially in our heart right now is the civil government. What an awesome thing it is, God, that you allow nations to rule themselves. What an awesome responsibility, Lord, for nations to rule themselves and not to try to be what they are not. So we ask you for we thank you, Lord, for the structure of our government. Thank you, Lord, that the people that put this government in place knew that they could not trust any one person, so they made it difficult. And yet, Lord, they created lawmakers and executors and judges who were trying to keep an eye on each other. Lord, we thank you for that wisdom. And Lord, we just call it to, to, to bloom and blossom and fullness. Especially more for this new Supreme Court justice that has been, been uh, nominated. The election is, I guess, tomorrow or sometime this week. So the, the, the civil election is already going on, and so many people have, have raised their voice for to speak out, and we're thankful for that. But when we trust the results to you, let us live lives that are pleasing to you and trust the results for to you. But we ask you to spare lives. We ask you, Lord, to, to um, remove partiality and favoritism. Lord, even in that first thing that Moses said when he, he gave trial to governments, he said they were supposed to be, choose men who would be not showing favoritism. From the very beginning, Lord, that's been in your heart. So, Lord, we just know how, how messed up we are. And we ask you to come solve the problem. But Lord, just like Saul could not bear the burden of ruling, not many people can, Lord. They become satisfied with themselves. And they, they lose that very first principle of self-government. And they act out in ways, Lord, that that are not becoming of a leader. But Jesus, given such an awesome responsibility to bring salvation to all the church of God, all the elect of God, and yet, Lord, he never failed one time. So we rejoice in Jesus Christ that he is our leader and our Lord. Thank you, God, Lord. We look to you. You even gave your life, Lord, for us. For although we are like a vapor, Jesus Christ, and the government that he'll establish will live forever. Thank you, Lord God. We are a moment. You are Lord of the Lord,
not forget that you are holy 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 lord your church here is looking towards a date and a time and father i pray that uh we would prove that we're looking to you father that after the election we would continue to repent that we would continue to intercede father that we would continue to pray for whoever the leadership is and lord we just need to continue to walk in that place continually and so father i just ask for an abundant grace for your church to continue to walk in drawing close to you lord that we wouldn't sigh and think everything's okay after the election but lord we would continue we would continue to intercede lord we would continue to to find that place that we're to engage lord that we would continue to call one another higher lord that we could turn the morality of this country into a higher place and so lord we want to prove to you that we're looking to you by continuing in the very vein that our church has been moving in these last months and so give us the grace to do that father and lord i pray you just convict us by your holy spirit we wouldn't think everything's okay after the election help us father help us to walk walk steadily with you in jesus name Father, sometimes uh, people lose their heritage, their roots. Lord, there are places in the Old Testament where people are called back to the foundation that was laid. You see that in Ezra. And Father, I pray that all things that have covered over the heritage, the roots that we were founded on as a nation, regardless of the outcome of this election, Lord, 
I pray that you would take us back to the uh, presence of the living God in the founding of this country, regardless of all the ill-tempered things that are said about our founding. There is an incredible move and work of God. And I pray that our roots would be reestablished. Lord, I think the road there is through repentance. And so as Preston said, Father, I pray that there would be a great revival of conviction and repentance and confession and turning across our nation and that it might impact throughout this world, Lord, that we might see a great harvest, a great revival and awakening across country by country, land by land, people by people, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord, we yield to you. We we want to take on more of the responsibilities that you have given us. We want more to appropriate the authority you have given us. Lord, you open our eyes to see the truth and to see that there is a kingdom of heaven where all wrong things will be made right one day. Where justice will be poured out. Or with that laugh that Camille mentioned, when you laugh over your enemies, those who did mock you, those who did ignore your gifts and your offerings and your directions and your commands. Or we don't have to fight them. You promised to resolve all open issues like that. Or you called us to bear witness to Jesus Christ. You've called us to participate in this form of, of governing ourselves and governing our families and, and governing through serving the church and Lord, also the civil authorities where they allow it. And Lord, our country allows this. Oh, we, we just look to you, Jesus. We look to you. We are the vapor. You are the one that's eternal. It's your love that reigns forevermore. And Lord, let it reign in our hearts, too. Thank you, God. Lord, we, we lift up to you the, the needs of the fellowship, the particular situation everyone's in. Lord, bless those that are traveling today for the funerals and, and other visits, Lord. We just ask you to restore unto us the hope that we have in Christ. Lord, this person was praying that we won't think things are back to normal after election. Lord, or when the, when the virus is no more. What we look, Lord, what is it that, that you want us to be different? How is it that you want us to have our own? So, Lord, I, I pray for your favor, for the fellowship. I pray, Lord, that your direction would be clear and, and we would be filled with faith, Lord, to obey. Lord, sometimes the obedience is the hardest part, not to give you the, the, the direction. So, Lord, we just ask you to uh, reaffirm your word to us this week as we consider the things that we have shared. And, Lord, that we would look to you. So is this 
can I can be heard here? Yeah. Okay. I think we have some praises this week. Bueller family, do y'all want to share? Oh, I can. <laughs> the Bueller family is blessed because now they have two daughters that and sons-in-law that are going to be parents. Jessica and Dustin in February, and Stephanie and Kyle in June. And uh, yes, wow, have babies. Last week we had an announcement from Rebecca and Jonathan. I can say they're okay, and they are expecting a child in. April. So, <laughs> woo! That's following up on your message, Camille, <laughs> about multiplying, blessings, multiplying. Okay, are there any other praises from this week? Any praises, exciting things that happened? I'm going to Peru. You're going to Peru? Yes, I'm going in December, uh, the 29th. Uh, yeah. Yeah, why don't you come tell everybody that because they can't hear you. Morning. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to Peru. I bought the tickets last week because uh, I know that it was going to be probably another year or so before I see my family again. Uh, I kind of missed them. They missed me. And so I'm, I'm going in December 29th. Rebecca is not going because I find it safer for her to stay than to expose her down there in Peru with the virus. So I'll take my precautions and uh, I'm just excited to see my family again. Mm -hmm. And I'll be back and then probably quarantine for a week or so before I start school. <laughs> but, but, I'm, but I'm excited. We're excited for you. Any any other praises from any other praises from the week? Okay. All right. Um, today we have four birthdays, <laughs> and I have this right this time. Um, Wendy's birthday is today. Happy birthday, Wendy! Wendy. They're not. Okay. All right. Wendy's birthday is today. Caleb Durham's birthday is today. Dwight's birthday, that's Phoebe's husband, his birthday is today. And Phoebe's mom's birthday is today. And Matthew and Marcy's anniversary is today. <laughs> so happy birthday and happy anniversary to all of you. <laughs> Monday is Cecil's birthday. Tuesday is Tim's birthday. Friday is Damien's birthday. Damien is the husband of Eva. And then Saturday is Slava's birthday. So, <laughs> so Slava, in behalf of all the birthdays and anniversaries, we're going to sing to you. This will be an in-person and Zoom. I guess y'all can sing on Zoom if you if you'd like, but Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday dear Slava, happy birthday to you and everybody else. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, we have a number of prayer requests that have been called in and, and um sent in and one I want to I want to tell you about it's a young man who is um, a former Crosswave member and his brother is still in Crosswave. His name is Blake Bauman and he's had a very serious um, thing happen. He he has um, I'm not sure exactly what it is but it's it's affected his muscles and normally you're supposed to have some kind of rate of hundreds his was initially up to 5,000, then it went up to 49,000. And he's been in the hospital since Monday. Um, it was, his muscle cells burst 
and it caused them to spill out something called CK into his blood. So that's normally the CK level is supposed to be like hundreds. His is currently, as of this morning, 38,000. So he continues to be in the hospital. Uh, he's a young man that is, I guess Blake is now, what, 17? Um, and so his family has reached out to us to ask us to pray for him. And um, we have three other families that have reached out and asked us to pray for them. One is Rita Wood, who's been involved with us. All of these following people have been with the internationals from the mountains. She has another surgery tomorrow to take a melan another melanoma out. Uh, Bobby Morgan is in um, critical care in Winston-Salem and a lady named Judy Morris. All of those have been involved with us with the internationals over the years. Um, Bill mentioned, I guess it was Bill mentioned, Carla and Richard are on their way to Anderson, South Carolina to be with family after the death of her uncle, Ivan. So those are the prayer requests. That and they're going to show it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Inez is out and doing better. And doing better. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Always needs. All right. Anybody on the anybody on Zoom have something you want to share? Okay. Okay. This is this is this is unusual. Okay. Just too many. Okay. Well, why don't we? Um, Y'all welcome to stay and have lunch if you brought it. Um, but it's good to see everybody. Why don't we have one final prayer? Yeah. Or sometimes I think prayers are like bricks that we toss up and then we catch them in a backpack on our, on our backs and they, they wind up not going anywhere but weighing us down. And sometimes I think a prayer is like a dandelion where you take it, you pluck it up, and you blow it, and the, the seeds scatter everywhere, and they float off into the sky. And there's probably a lot of other ways to think about prayer. But Lord, we just, we just prayed for our nation. And we prayed for the acts of government. And we, Lord, we prayed for the kingdom of God. And Lord, may these be offered up to you. As a fragrant aroma, Lord, think, they're thinking about a prayer as an aroma, a smell, an offering to you. And, and Lord, now we, we come and we ask on behalf of these uh, things that Mary has shared, the, the birthdays and anniversaries and the travels and um, the other matter. And Lord, this, the situation with Blake and his health, uh, Blake Wallman, it says. Well, we, we pray that this prayers would, would be a sweet smell to you, Lord God. But we, we ask you for healing. We ask that you help his body to, to recover from the damage that's been caused. And we ask that you would um, teach and, and reveal many things of your truth to him, to Blake, while he's recovering. Lord, we just pray for these pregnancies that have, we've heard about. And ask, Lord, that you would guide and protect, develop each, weave these children together, Lord. Lord Jesus, we, we look to you when we rejoice in an anniversary, we rejoice of her birthday, we rejoice in the, the travel to, to see our parents in another country. Lord, we look to you. You, you provide everything. Lord, cause us to walk in your ways. And as Jessica encouraged us earlier today, Lord, that what is the thing that we most hope in? Is that we belong to you. We are not our own. 
even though you have given us the ability to govern ourselves, really we see that we belong to you and you have given us the, governor, the ability to govern ourselves. So Lord, we, we take great rest and hope in that. And Lord, that is, a, that is a prayer, Lord, that not just a fragrance, Lord, but may it be a strengthening to each one of us. We belong to you. So we say, blessed be your name, Lord God. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, continue to, to bless us in this fellowship as we seek to serve you and Lord, as we try to navigate our way through as every church is trying to do, Lord, of how, of how to, to have a life as a fellowship when getting together is so difficult. I would just pray that all of our prayers, our daily prayers, Lord, our prayers without ceasing, would be filled with faith and this beautiful aroma, Lord, to you, the aroma of faith and action. So, Lord Jesus, we look to you and we bless you for all this. Amen. Amen. Before we leave, I need a picture of Preston and Greg and Bill for my project, a crosswave project for um, we're sending to a video to the church in Peru. So um, I also need Wayne and Jill's picture because they've been to Peru with us. So don't leave till I get your picture. And y'all all have to say one phrase together. Yo se bendiga. That's all you okay. have to say. Or Gloria Dios or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, y'all. Thanks for calling in. Have a what pleasure. you know about next Sunday? <clears throat> Bye. Bye.